Since its first iteration as Valbois in the 1980s through today, the story of Tamarack Resort has more turns than a ski run. On this edition of the Boise Dev Podcast, we chat with Scott Turlington, president and CEO of Tamarack. We look at some of the challenges his team is facing and some of the big plans ahead. Some you've heard of and some you might not have. That's next. The Boise Dev Podcast is brought to you by Anthony's Restaurant in downtown Boise. It's in the JR Simplot building adjacent to the Jump Plaza. And it's one of my wife and I's favorite spots. I'm a big seafood guy. They have some amazing dishes there. The oysters, of course, are excellent. Their crab, their fresh fish is so good. They call it the essence of the Northwest. And they, they say it's because they jet in the fish from the docks in Seattle straight to Boise. And they layer that with local options, beers, wines, coffees, ice cream, and the dishes on the menu. Everything I've tried has been so good because it's fresh, um, but the chef there prepares it in really inventive, fun, and interesting ways. The setting is is really cool, too, right on the Jump Plaza there. You can park in the JR Simplot Company garage, go up the elevator, and you're there. It's actually, for a downtown restaurant, really easy to get to. You can make your reservations online at anthonys.com. It's a great place for dinners, families, business lunches, and the whole lot. Give it a try. We appreciate their support of the Boise Dev Podcast. It's Anthony's in downtown Boise. This is the Boise Dev Podcast. Here's your host, Don Day. Scott Turlington, President and CEO of Tamarack Resort. Thanks for joining us today. How are you? Great. Uh, I'm doing wonderful. Glad to be here. And the weather is beautiful up in uh, Valley County here at Tamarack today. So it feels like fall is is coming. That's good. So I'm in Boise today. Uh, I'll be up in Valley County this weekend um, and it's going to be warm, unseasonably warm. But the snow is coming. I'm promised. The snow is coming and we'll take unseasonably warm. We've got one more week of planting grass on the golf course. And so as long as we can get it down with temperatures, you know, above the 30s, uh, which we have this week, uh, it'll be great. Everything's a positive depending on how you look at it, right? (laughs) Exactly. So you've kind of had this interesting back and forth, uh, government, ski resorts, lobbying, ski resorts. Tell us a little bit about your path and what led you to the to the place you are now. Sure. It, it is interesting. It's been um, not quite as uh, it's not quite the traditional path, but I'm not sure that traditional paths make a lot of sense. Anyhow, I initially got involved uh, or found out about Tamarack back in, in my days in the governor's office. And uh, it was a project that uh, was entitled on state of Idaho endowment land. And so this mm-hmm. kind of fell into one of my policy buckets at the time. And so I was very involved. Um, and in that process, um, along with other members of the land board and, and other offices, it was a big, you know, kind of a first of its kind at that time. It was a new paradigm in terms of uh, permitting recreation on state land, particularly as it related to a ski resort. So, so that was uh, pretty exciting to be a part of that. Um, I left the governor's office in 2000, May of 2004, and then uh, I came to work here at Tamarack. Um, and then the mountain opened in December of 2004. So exciting time at that at that point, a lot going on with with Tamarack in terms of getting the mountain open. Much of the base development um, was not complete. Obviously, the golf course wasn't open, so it was just really getting the mountain open. And uh, that happened in December of 04. So I stayed I stayed at Tamarack 
from December of 04 through roughly 07, uh, mid 07. And that's when I left and started a, my own consulting firm with a previous colleague of mine from the governor's office, David Lehman. Um, and we, uh, from that period forward, uh, we had a consulting and lobbying practice in Boise and, uh, you know, had a great, great run doing that. It was a lot of fun. You know, I always stayed involved uh, in Tamarack over the years um, in, in one one way, shape, or form. Uh, there was a period where I'd been appointed as a receiver. Um, I had worked as a consultant for the banks um, during the initial foreclosure, Credit Suisse. Uh, I'd been an advisor to one of the receivers as well. Done work for the Homeowners Association. And of course, I had a lot of different clients over the years that had an interest in purchasing Tamarack. Never really you know, came to fruition, but in 2018, I met a group and was introduced to a group that had an interest in, in buying Tamarack. And so they, they hired me to do all the due diligence and to get them through the acquisition with the state and the county. Um, and so that happened. And, uh, and I think we closed on the transaction in December, November, December of 2018. And then we started talking about an, an eventual transition for me um, back to the resort as the, in my current role. So and that took about a year and it was kind of great to see things unfold and see how this group operated. You know, they, they were and remain 100% committed to, you know, the dream of Tamarack and, and completing it. Um, they've invested a significant amount of money uh, to date uh, to get that done. And, uh, you know, this really is a generational hold for their family. And that's exactly what Tamarack, um, you know, and Idaho really needed. And uh, so that's kind of, I guess, just a, a brief thumbnail sketch of yeah. the last what, you know, 13 or 14 years, if, in, you know, in 45 seconds. So. Yeah, well, almost well, really twenty. So, so that governor was that it was that Governor Kempthorne. Is that how far we're back? Was that Governor Bat or uh, Governor Kempthorne? Yes. Kempthorne. So you've you've been involved in all these different phases. We had that uh, that ownership change, which was a pretty big deal, bringing together all these pieces in twenty eighteen, and then we kind of had a, a I guess a an ownership reposition within the last year explain kind of what happened there um and, and how that's worked it doesn't seem like it's had a, a major impact but obviously there was kind of some change there yeah and that was probably i think people on the outside maybe view that a little differently than what it was it was a very positive thing internally you know both both sides of that ownership group it was amicable it was mutual um and it was expected i mean it was it was kind of always at some point that was going to going to be a reality um, but, you know, we did have, uh, you know, that change in ownership and the Navarro family out of uh, Miami. Uh, they, they bought out the interest of their other partner. Um, and again, no, they still have other, uh, you know, business dealings together. They've, they've had for a lot of years. And so nothing, nothing to, you know, for anyone to be concerned about. And obviously we're about a year later, almost, uh, almost a year later, exactly. And uh, it's been really, really great to have focused ownership and uh, have their involvement. So I think it was a really good, a good outcome. Um, and it was, it was never going to be a bad outcome. It was always intended to be good and it, and it worked the way it was designed to work. So let's dig into some of the, the pieces here. And there's, there's so much to talk about, I think with ski resorts in general, with Tamarack specifically, something that we write about a lot here um, is housing. And I know it's something that you probably think about each and every day. Uh, you have, you know, you're housing really two types of people, right? You're housing people who come in and uh, stay for a night or a week and, and ski the mountain. Um, but you're also trying to find places for all your employees. And I know you've done some initiatives there 
of employee housing. Tell us about that and tell us kind of what you have your eye on as, as this housing situation continues to really change and evolve. That is really, I think, uh, one of the top three critical issues for us, and I'm guessing many businesses in this industry uh, or many resorts in this industry, uh, we are uh, at this point, we have employee housing under, under construction. Uh, we will have by the end of December, I'll have the first 64 beds online. And then probably in mid February, I'll have another 64 beds. So 128 beds total. Uh, I'm building all of that on property here at Tamarack. It's on site. Um, and our, and our, that entire area, our, our whole master plan for um, what I call Lakeview Village, um, ultimately we'll have about 565, 570 beds total. Um, in addition to the employee housing in Lakeview Village, we've got um, a fire substation for Donnelly that we've built. We're, we're paying for the construction of a substation that'll house two, two fire apparatus. It'll you know, be set up to, to have people staying there overnight. Um, and then we've also got the charter school, the new charter school that'll also be in that location for its permanent home, the Mountain Community School. So it'll be really kind of a core area for you know a lot of activity for employees. And and without you know without us investing in employee housing and, and providing that, I, it's just I don't know how you continue to grow the business, right? You have to invest in your employees; they're the ones that that keep us relevant and make sure that the guests are happy when they get here. And so by providing housing options for them here at Tamarack, um, it makes a world of difference in our ability to recruit and retain uh, talented, uh, a talented workforce. So we'll have, you know, the, the, it's not going to be market rate rents. Um, it'll be, you know, it'll be a, a good deal. We're not going to make money on that at all. Uh, we recognize we can't, that's not what we're doing it for. Um, but it will provide them a, a well below market rate on their on their rents for three months, six months or 12 months, depending on how long they're here. Do you think that that I mean, you, you've got some other employers in kind of your general region, Shore Lodge, I think is probably the, the, the largest one um, that are also doing employee housing. You talk about 130 people this winter, 575 at build out. Are those people that are going to maybe be staying in a bedroom in a home in Donnelly or McCall or Cascade um, that maybe opens up an opportunity? So if the people at like, I don't know, Cafe 634, I guess, and McCall is the one that I always think of, like somebody they could hire an employee that could live in that spot where the Tamarack person. I mean, do you see that as kind of helping the whole fabric? Is it just for Tamarack or is it some of both? Yeah, it, it is going to be ultimately some of both. So what, what a lot of people don't know is that we do have a requirement with the county that we negotiated, you know, back in 2002 and 2003, 2001, we were doing our PUD for the resort. So we, we took sort of control of our future and said, you know what, we're going to provide housing on site. So this is our initiative. And, and so as a part of our entitlement process, we're required to do that. Um, and again, it was something that we self-imposed. We have to always ensure that we have a certain number of beds available for staff. We don't have to provide beds for 100%, um, but, a, but a big portion of our staff we do. And so but that also happens to coincide with your seasonal employees. You know, seasonally, when you uh, when, you know, in the mid skis, you know, during ski season, it's 400, 500 employees. You know, we'll have a lot of employees. And then after season, you know, that ramps down during the shoulder season to, you know, 100, 120. So it will ebb and flow. Uh, definitely. And so in those off seasons, we're, we're going to uh, potentially make beds available to uh, folks outside of Tamarack. Uh, we're going to be using some of those beds also for our, um, our trades that we have working here. 
currently. So yeah, we'll, I think we'll always have that as an option, but uh, we have to have priority first on our employees uh, just because it's, it's the whole, the whole idea behind it. Interesting. Do you, it seems like it, you talk about those three challenges and I'm guessing maybe one of those other three challenges is just finding people to work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's definitely been, been in the top three for this last year, for sure. How's that coming? And, and how are you, how are you adapting when everybody's trying to find workers in, in not to mention in a somewhat remote mountain community? Yeah. It makes it especially difficult when we do have, you know, the proximity that we have, but, uh, you know, listen, I, 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 I think we're doing as good a job as anyone would expect. We're really putting a heavy emphasis and focus on promoting internally right now. We have a lot of dedicated and talented people that work here today. That is, we need positions and different positions. We're doing all that we can to, to help advance, you know, folks that, that want to stay um, and, and make a career or, or, you know, stay here as long as they can. Um, but I think like everyone else, we don't have every position filled. We really struggled at the end of the ski season into midsummer with baristas, you know, over in the coffee shop at Clearwater Coffee, um, servers, I mean, housekeeping, it's, it's, it's kind of uh, a big issue. I think, however, we will be able to solve many of those issues through employee housing. Um, and also, you know, tapping more deeply into the J-1 visa program for the international students. Uh, we used those uh, students last uh, winter for the first time. The program had been closed for the two previous years. So we were able to bring in, you know, a couple of dozen last year. Uh, this winter, we're bringing in about 60. Um, we're building a, a uh, what's called a 12-month culinary program uh, for a different type of visa. But we'll be able to bring um, international uh, um, you know, folks in for 12 months at a time. Typically with your J-1s that are just college students, it's usually 60 days. I'm sorry, it's usually 90 days or 180 days. But we also have another program where we can do a 12-month program if we build a culinary program around it. And given the number of, of restaurants that we have, and we're opening a new restaurant this winter, Seven Devils, um, we can actually put together a very robust um, culinary program to attract and keep folks on a year-round basis. So that's what we're going to rely on for now. I think that's the, the best plan that we can come up with. And it uh, certainly seems to make sense from, from a guest services perspective. And it adds something, right? You, you go to, to some value who's long used those visa programs and it, it's part of the guest experience. Do you think, think that that'll start to become part of your culture too? And having people from absolutely. different walks of life in different parts of the world. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. It will. Uh, Short Lodge uses the J1 employees as well, or uh, students as well. So um, I, you know, Congress, there's a cap on how many of uh, uh, visas are, are available on an annual basis. And it's always, you know, it's a, it's a big, big discussion every year, but hopefully that cap continues to, to, to move up so that, you know, we can continue to have access to a, a solid labor force, um, people that want to come here and work, and then they go back home and go back to school. And do you have a, do you have a good base of people who like live in the area that help layer in that cons consistency? Is that kind of your mix? Do you, yeah, we do, do other people move in from other where other places in the country just for short term? Is it kind of a little bit of everything? Yeah, it's a little bit of everything, you know, just hired a, Two weeks ago, I just hired a, a golf superintendent. Uh, he relocated here with his family from Colorado, right? They're now integrating into the community and, and that's pretty standard. I mean, I think we give, we give everyone that chance to, to make a decision on, on where they want to live and just having, having those uh, team members come here and, and just end up in the community. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, the, it's the best way to do it. And for those who can't, afford it because it's not cheap, right? It, it's a, it's an expensive proposition. That's where the housing will, will, uh, will help offset that. 
So you talk about it being expensive and cost, and I think we're all facing kind of that inflationary pressure on wages. Are you making moves to to bring those wages up? Is that impacting, you know, uh, expenses for guests? How's that all kind of working together? Yeah, we, uh, in order to remain viable and competitive, you have to, you have to increase wages. Um, There's an executive order that uh, the president signed, I think a year, year or so ago on all federal ski resorts, uh, federal lease lands, then there's a new minimum wage standard, 15 bucks an hour for the minimum wage on federal. So of course we're state of Idaho land, so we're not necessarily uh, subject to that. However, um, <laughs> others are right. <laughs> others are. Yeah. And so we've, we've been actually, we've been at that on average, we've been uh, just a, a bit higher than 15 on average at minimum wage for quite a while, but we do, um, everyone who starts here now, though, however, they are the the, the base is is fifteen bucks an hour on the minimum. So that's from Lithies to, you know, anyone you know, you, you name it, and uh, we're already there. So, um, but and, but it does right beg the question: How do you you make up for that? I mean, everyone understands that when when you know, a lot of these costs are passed through, and uh, you know, we work really hard to absorb what we can, but we can't absorb everything. And so, um, there are some of these that are passed on. Um, but, you know, I think we've done a good job at keeping that at bay. You know, I've kept season passes uh, very comparable to last year in terms of the price. We've seen just nominal increases on that. Um, finalizing some plans right now. I'm going to be rolling out for the winter, you know, a midweek kind of in the $50 range day ticket. Um, I think with all the pressures that are already on families right now with gas prices, the economy, just how everything is shaping up, it doesn't make sense to keep pushing the day ticket or even the past prices, you know, up whenever everything else is is pointing to the opposite. So we're we're trying very hard to to be aware of what you know the families and individuals would like to come recreate or experiencing. And so we're gonna we're gonna be right there with them on on the pricing side. Where's your customer base come from? What, I mean, I, I, certainly the, the Boise Valley has to be a big piece, but what does that mix look like? Is it mostly Treasure Valley? Is it uh, mostly people from elsewhere? How does that, how does that look and, and how does that affect your operations? Yeah, for right now it's predominantly Treasure Valley. Um, I'd say, you know, 75, 80%. The remainder, you know, travel in from out of state. Um, we see a lot of Pacific Northwest, California. Texas is a great, is a big state for us. Um, Colorado is a big state for us. Um, and that's, you know, not only on the resort operations and recreation side, but on the real estate side as well. So, you know, but, but for now, the treasure Valley is, is a, is a huge, um, you know, a huge area for us in terms of all facets from real estate to, to recreation, um, with the village. So the hundred plus condos that we've sold and we've got the remaining 30 right now that are being finished, you know, 60 to almost 65% of all the condos have sold to uh, folks out of Idaho, predominantly the treasure Valley. So, um, and that wasn't the case, you know, 15 years ago, I mean, Idaho was on the lower end of the, of the, of the sort of the occupancy up here. Um, but that's flipped. And so now you have a lot of people in Idaho that, that are buying here real estate wise. They're up here a lot, you know, weekends during the week, they see this as a way to, you know, kind of work from home and, and also have a chance to play where you live and, and also work. Um, and that's been the theme since COVID happened. And I think that's going to continue. Has that been, yeah. I mean, has that been part of it that people are like, Oh, I work from home. I might as well not be in Boise. I can go yeah. up and maybe, get out of get out of work a day or maybe start a little late i mean you see more of that you see that village more utilized because people are able to do that 
it, is, it has been a, a, an impressive transition to see that happening. And it's exactly what's happening. Um, especially when you're in season right now in our shoulder season, um, it's, it's a little different, but when you're in the mid, you know, in the midst of summer or winter, you see that a lot. And that is, and I think that's a great way to do it. I mean, the workplace has changed. I think COVID has really changed how people operate. I know some companies, larger companies are making that shift back, but, um, for the most part if people can be mobile and most of them can, they, uh, they get to choose where they work from. And, uh, what they're saying is why not, you know, live here, work here and play here. Are those condo sales goal? How are those condo sales going? I toured one with my wife about maybe last winter, maybe the winter before. I can't recall. Uh, and they're they're really nice and and maybe not what you'd even expect. I think on a level above maybe what you'd even think you'd see. Yeah. You say you have thirty left. Are you going to build more? What's kind of the thinking there? Yeah, we'll definitely build more. We've got more buildings slated for the future. The thirty that are left, you know, that finishes the final two buildings. So there were six six buildings in the core uh, that we inherited when we purchased the resort and uh, four, four done and complete, completely sold out. And the final two, we've got 37 units in those and about five of them are already under contract. We just released those about two months ago. Markets definitely slowed down a bit, you know, with the rates rising. Um, but the the buyers that are coming here, it's a little, a little different. I mean, these aren't first home buyers. And so um, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a, a little, little different buyer, but still, I mean, they're sensitive to everything happening. Um, our, our goal is to have this uh, around these last two buildings sold by the end of ski season. Um, and we've already got plans. We're getting plans done for the next building, uh, which is called Lake Wing, which is the sister building to the current lodge at Osprey Meadows. So this will be on the golf course. If, for those that are familiar, it's the <laughs> building that has a foundation in place and a crane set there for a lot of years. But that's called the Lake Wing, and that'll have about 52 or 53 um, condominiums there. We'll start selling those next spring and, uh, we'll, um, you know, we'll go, we'll start construction on that or finish construction on that starting next spring, early summer, we're doing plans on that. So that's exciting. And then we've also got some bill product that we're doing some, uh, custom sort of chalets or villas. Tamarack builds these and then sells turnkey products. We've got about 15 of those, um, that'll, that we'll start selling in, uh, probably about a month. We start construction, get the foundations going in a couple of weeks there. So yeah, definitely a lot of activity still on the construction side. And then of course, as we look at our you know, next three to five years, we've got a, a pretty good master plan in place for the phasing of the future uh, buildings, um, condominiums and, uh, and, and a hotel. So I wanna, I wanna dig into some of those master plan things, but I, you know, it's, it's, a weird, it's a weird economic time. I think everybody's kind of got their eye on everything, right? And, and you can look at the national picture and kind of, worry obviously tamarack going through the kind of 2008 2009 downturn um gosh probably saw some of the worst impacts uh, from from the state of idaho standpoint but then you've got you know micron gonna is gonna spend 15 billion dollars down here in boise and so you're like well does that offset maybe the national picture how do you kind of plan for what you're going to do and how do you be adaptable as that situation changes, condo sales change, disposable incomes change, inflation. I mean, there's so much to it. How are you kind of figuring out how to, you know, ski down the ski slope, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that's the balance. Um, and without, so the, so the big difference today versus what I call Tamarack 1.0 is Tamarack 1.0 was saddled with about $250 million in debt, actually a little bit more. 
and they have payments. So today, Tamarack does not have any traditional debt on it. Uh, as the, this is all funded from, from the family, mm-hmm. and uh, which allows us to kind of set the pace. Um, if, if and when things do slow down, and they have, you know, we, uh, we can keep the lifts turning. Operations in real estate will operate independent of one another. So when, when condo sales or real estate sales slow down, the resort itself can continue to operate. Right. We're not we're not in a situation where we've got to make interest payments and, and debt payments to, to bankers, you know, every every month or every quarter. So that is a, a major difference in our structure today. We purchased the water and sewer bonds that were held by the, the, the water and sewer district. So that threat of any of the foreclosure on the real estate is gone. We own those now. So I think there were some very strategic things we did during the acquisition that allowed us to to weather better than most uh, any of these storms that will come. It's not going to say we'll be unscathed because we certainly will not. We'll just have the ability to uh, to get through them and, and not have a repeat of 2007 and eight. You've had a really busy, gosh, I don't know, four years. I remember chatting with uh, Kyle Mowitz, who was uh, part of the ownership group along uh, with the Navarros in 2018 coming in. And, and I think everybody had some skepticism, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot has happened in four years and, and maybe not on par with the building of the resort, but I mean, it's arguable. Yeah. Hey, yeah. And you finished some things that have been sitting idle and what's next. I mean, I know you've got a master plan for gondolas and additional mountain terrain and, and restoration of lifts. How are those plans coming and when are people going to start to see some of those things clicking online? Yeah, so the big, the big, you know, projects that I think we're working on for the future, the expansion of the terrain onto forest service property, forest service land that's contiguous to the state of Idaho land. You know, we've got that application into the forest service. We're working through that. Um, you know, that's a complex process all on its own. Uh, I have no idea what timelines are on that, but we are actively working and moving forward with the forest service there. Uh, our marina on Lake Cascade down in Poison Creek. Um, you know, we've got a draft lease that we've got with the state of Idaho, the Department of Parks and Recreation. They're the, the landlord there. You know, our, our goal is to have that lease in place this fall. And, uh, you know, we responded, we've responded to two different RFPs now <laughs> over the last three or four years. Um, and COVID had a big factor on slowing it down. But if all goes well, we get our lease in place this year and uh, we'll be able to start construction on the marina uh, next year, uh, probably at the end of the boating season. Uh, we've got the mid mountain lodge and bar, which was, was started in 06, 07, never completed. Um, we're resuming construction on that next summer. We're actually doing a lot of exterior work right now. We're painting it and, and doing everything on the exterior and that will be open to the public in December of 20, in the w- December of 2024. So we'll resume construction there next year, uh, next summer. And have it ready for the, the following winter. Um, we've got, you know, I mentioned the condos that we're going to do with Lake Wing. Um, so there, yeah, there, there's a lot that we're doing. Uh, we've, we're working with uh, some hotel groups right now. We hope to make an announcement in first quarter of next year on a partnership uh, with a brand that will be recognizable. Uh, be, that'll be exciting. It'll be our first true uh, vertical hotel, um, about 130 rooms, 130 keys. And That'll be a game changer. Also, we, you know, we have a rental program today where, you know, it's kind of a VRBO type product and, and, and homeowners put their units in the program and the resort manages those. So we've got 125 or 30 of those in our program today, um, but it'll be great to have more traditional vertically integrated uh, hotels 
uh, here at Tamarack. So a lot, a lot is happening for sure. Um, and I guess it's just, uh, you know, we don't look outside too often outside of the boundaries of the resort, but we know there's a lot going on everywhere else, but we're just really focused on executing our master plan here. You talk about a hotel, obviously part of that uh, initial plan way back was, you know, Andre Agassi, Steffi Graf, I think Fairmont brand, mm-hmm. um, it never came to be for reasons that are obvious. So now maybe that hotel product comes back into the mix. Is that something that's in the village? Is that something that's a little further out? Yeah, it's, it's in the village. Um, it'll be a part of the village core. Uh, actually, it would be down just uh, where the Tamarack Express lower terminal is. Mm-hmm. So there's a hotel pad that's designated for that location. And that's uh, where our first one will go. Interesting. Well, we'll be watching for that announcement. Yeah. You, you, you named a lot there last year, you opened the reserve or yeah. last, last season. Uh, season and before. It's going fast. Time is just a mess anymore. Um, what, what you're talking about seven devils, another restaurant offering. What, right. what's that going to look like for people? So that's a little bit of a nod to the old seven devils and one of the temporary sprung structures we had, but the seven devils will be permanent. It's a part of what's uh, called Calvi, the Calvi building plaza level seats, 318 people. We've got a mezzanine upper level mezzanine, main seating, uh, main floor seating, and then um, patio seating on the outside. And of course, all, you know, all the different plaza areas you can see as well, but that'll be, Fast casual, um, RFID beer wall, um, just a lot, you know, kind of really your opera ski scene uh, yeah. for post skiing. And then so great, great atmosphere there. Looking forward to that. It'll be open uh, this December. So by the end of December, we'll have seven devils tap house, uh, you know, back, back online. Uh, and then the big, the other big one that we haven't talked much about is the golf course. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got, we're finishing the, the renovation there for the first phase of the project, which will be nine holes. Um, so we'll have nine holes available for play next summer. So next mid July, the first nine holes will open. Everything will be done prior to opening with the remaining nine, but the remaining nine aren't going to be playable until most likely the following year. So in the summer of 2024, we'll have all 18 available. Uh, driving range is currently open. And like I said, we've got um, the nine that are just getting wrapped up and getting ready to get put to bed for the winter. So that's a big deal having the golf course come back online. It just seems like there's just a lot happening. Where do you think the resort goes? Where, where is it in 10 years and, and, and how does it roll out? How many of those years are you going to be around? <laughs> I'm sure that's a question you can't answer just yet, but yeah. how does that look? It is, it looks like it does today. Um, you know, you, you close your eyes around here, you blink and like a year goes by it goes by really quickly. So a lot of people don't realize that in our master plan, we've still got about 1500 units of real estate that that's permitted and, and available for build. And so that's, you know, uh, and even in a good market, I mean, that's going to be at least 10 years of runway, depending on what the absorption looks like there, but that's everything from more condos to single family residential to estate lots to cottages. I mean, it's, it's a broad mix, but uh, there is a lot of real estate remaining to develop we've developed and sold about 450 units just to give you some perspective. So I don't know, maybe a third of the way. So we've got, we've got a long ways to go. And so when you say, what does it look like in 10 years? I, I, I think in 10 years, what our vision is, you know, obviously we've got a, a fully operational Marina with uh, 150, 200 slips. We've got a total of about 4,200 acres of skiable terrain, uh, a gondola, a new, a new summit lodge out of Lone Tree. Um, you've got, 
substantial portion of real estate completed. You've got a golf course that's been operating for 10 years. Um, you've got a robust community here with, you know, multiple restaurants and retail. Um, and it really is a, you know, it's a, it's a home for a lot of people. I mean, I think in 10 years, that's, that's the vision and, you know, it, it'll be here before, before you know it too. You know, it's hard to think about those long-term plans without thinking about the way that we're certainly seeing changes with climate and snowfall. And I mean, it's going to be in the seventies. We're taping this the last week of September, the seventies and McCall. So I imagine you'll see some similar weather up there, which is not particularly normal. You, what, what are you doing to kind of adapt to that and, and make sure that you've got skiable terrain in 10, 20 and 30 yeah. years? Certainly a lot of it's out of your control, right? But, but what are you doing to try and kind of mitigate those things? The best, the best thing you can do is, is just be flexible, right? You've got to prepare. Obviously, snowmaking is a big part of our winter operations. Um, quite honestly, we're, we're investing heavily in summer operations um, because I, I think summer has as much or if not greater promise than winter. When you consider the summers in Valley County, and, and especially with us, we're, we're really kind of a mountain meadow lake trifecta, which is extremely unique for the resort industry. The, the opportunities that are available in the summer, you've got golf. So you can come here, stay for five days and do something different every day. Um, in winter, you can come here and ski and skiing every day is great as well. But you can, in the summer, you can golf for a day. Uh, you can go mountain biking for a day, zip lining for a day, whitewater rafting for a day, hiking for a day. We've got so many different options when it comes to summer activities. And as we plan our expansion, summer activities and recreation become a big part of what we're offering as well. So what we do to hedge against the future and whatever may come with the climate is uh, you have to be flexible and you have to adapt. So that's the, that's, that's the game plan for us. Do you see, I mean, the city of McCall is certainly, I don't want to say overburdened, but it is just stinking busy in the summer. And it, it seems like the last few years, it's really amped up. Do you see yourself as kind of a, I don't know, like an escape valve, like there's a place that people can go and travel and it's not, I mean, obviously Brundage Mountain is, is doing some expansion as well, but that city of McCall is just getting so busy. Whereas you've got a lot of room to grow and expand. Do you think that, that can maybe help even things out there? I think it will. In fact, you, you look at a lot of people are, are turning left in Donnelly now, right? They're not just driving straight by Donnelly. <laughs> and that was kind of our first campaign out of the out of the gates, you know, turn left and Donnelly and, and that's continued to stick. And the more people come out here and see what's happened, see the changes, see the village being complete. Now um, the snow front's completely adapted with all the sprung structures gone that were on the snow front um, with grass there, amphitheater there. It, it starts to feel like and look like a community that people want to come visit, um, stay for a weekend, you know, may, maybe stay forever. I think that you'll continue to see that McCall definitely is the destination place. And uh, everyone that's on the outskirts of McCall will be benefiting from, from what I think will continue to happen over the years. Uh, we're just putting extra effort into making sure that people know about us. And, and we do that through, um, you know, through good partners and just having a good experience whenever the guests show up. What's next for you? Uh, in terms of getting ready for the winter, uh, we're finishing up a, a new snowmaking project. We're getting new pipe in. So we'll have Serenity, uh, one of our great runs from top to bottom snowmaking capabilities this winter, which will be awesome. Um, we've got a lot happening in the base area, finishing up the, the Seven Devils, um, getting the golf course wrapped up. We've got uh, just a lot of activity going on. We have new gear ballet, you know, ski storage and bike storage coming online. 
Uh, we'll be rolling out the club at Tamarack next uh, next year, uh, probably in Q2. Um, so that'll be exciting for explain, the explain what that is. Yeah. So the club is is a it's a it's a it's a semi-private you know club for people who own real estate here to join uh, and to have access to amenities and to different benefits that might not be otherwise available. And uh, that was always a staple was here you know at Tamarack in the early days, and so bringing it back now will be exciting to do that. So uh, there's a lot of benefits to being a club member. So a lot of homeowners are excited about that. We, you know, a lot of people don't know this. We've got about 500 and about 500 homeowners, and with that, about 430 or so properties are developed. So you have a lot. You have a you have a community up here. Um, so yeah, that's exciting. So I think we've got a lot to keep us busy between now and you know early December when we open, um, which is which is exciting. I'll tell you what, we had to redo our project tracker that we have on our website because it's typically only Boise properties and I had to redo it so I could put Tamarack on there without blowing everything else up. <laughs> You've got so much going on and we're writing about it all the time. That's great. Yeah, no, it, it is exciting. It's it's great to see all the activity and to hear the construction uh, noise. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's what's needed right now. Scott Turlington, President and CEO of Tamarack Resort. Uh, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Thank you for having me and I look forward to talking again soon.